This is Method Not Magic, the college admission and test preparation podcast. Hi, this is Nitin Sani, Managing Director of Tutoring at Mark's Education, and I'm here to talk to Anthony Chilino, Director of Tutoring for our Washington, D.C. office, about learning loss during pandemic and about how parents and tutors and students can alleviate that. So, Anthony, what is learning loss? Yeah, so learning loss is the idea that when a student is away from a subject for an extended period of time, like summer break, they lose a certain percentage of their abilities in that subject. And many experts theorize that the the challenges of online learning during the pandemic uh, exacerbate learning loss, having a composite effect of turning 2020 into almost a lost year of learning. We do have some data points on this. Um, NWEA, the Northwest Evaluation Association, they tracked and tested four and a half million students in elementary school and middle school and early high school over the last two years. And they found that for reading, students had on average very little learning loss, uh, both after summer breaks and, and even with the disruptions of remote learning last spring. In math, however, uh, significant ground was lost with, with any extended break and, and remote learning compounded the problem. And the results may actually even be worse uh, than that sounds because NWEA had uh, an incomplete data set. About a quarter of the students weren't retested this past fall because of difficulties around the pandemic. And those were mostly students from low-income families where learning loss, at least according to research at Brookings, uh, is often more prevalent even in the best of times with that population. And we can speculate on the reasons for the for the reading math disparity. I mean, reading especially as students get older, doesn't need to be guided as much as math and just needs to be practiced. Uh, And the opportunities to practice reading are all over the place. There's also a greater prevalence of summer reading programs that track progress and don't require any instruction at all. Right. This is really uh, concerning, of course, as you and I both have children at school and who are going through online school and we see this. Do you have uh, students who you think have experienced learning loss and have you help them successfully through this period? Yeah. So I think when we talk about math learning loss, it's, it's important to keep in mind the specifics of the topic that you're working with. So let's take, for example, geometry. Um, it's, it's challenging for both teachers and tutors to teach geometry remotely for, for multiple reasons. Uh, so much of geometry is visual-spatial. So in normal circumstances, we use manipulatives and, and tools like 3D models and protractors, compasses. Um, now, the one-on-one setting uh, allows you to slow down the step-by-step instruction with constant check-ins. Um, the other issue with geometry, maybe more importantly, is that critical thinking and sequential processing come up more in geometry than any other class, maybe than computer science. It's one of the unique things about geometry. Something like uh, triangle congruence proof building. Is, it's less obviously applicable um, in practice than algebra or statistics. Uh, but the, what it does is it trains the brain to construct a logical argument, which can have wide-ranging benefits. The problem with learning something like, like triangle congruence proofs in an online classroom is that it becomes too easy, e- even for a motivated student, to just copy the steps uh, of the proof that the teacher writes down without thinking about why a certain step belongs where it does what the overall plan is, and, and how each step fits into that plan. Now, ideally, a tutor should anticipate the portion of the curriculum that focuses on something like proofs, and, and in that case, bring a student ahead with it, 
um, uh, or or if they're working with them over the summer for supplemental work to focus on that particular topic, show them a, a, a simple correct proof construction, but also show them incorrect or incomplete versions um, that builds a, an instinct for the proper ordering and an internal warning system for when things are going to go off the rails. Now, if a teacher tries to do that um, uh, in an online class uh, during this time, they run the risk of steering students who are just copying notes, uh, like on autopilot, in the wrong direction. What about classes like Algebra 2 and Pre-Calculus and Calculus? And Have you helped students and have you had students who've experienced learning loss in those classes as well? Yeah, so... Absolutely. I, I'll, I'll start specifically to the learning loss point. I'll start with um, uh, a calculus student. Um, so remember, we, we as tutors, we have the fundamentals down so solidly that when a student requires remediation, um, we can take the time to reteach all concepts and with no judgment. Um, the student that I have, uh, she's a senior taking AB calculus. I've worked with her since seventh grade. She's very bright, would certainly be able to be in the more advanced BC calculus course, but you know, as seniors, seniors will sometimes do, she decided to ease up on the gas and cruise a little bit through senior year. Unfortunately for her, she kind of stayed on cruise control too long and found herself fumbling on simpler topics like factoring. Now, in the early stages of calculus, factoring is about as important uh, a skill as any. So I knew if, if she let that go, she ran the risk of spiraling away on topics like, like derivatives. But I also knew that there was no way she was going to let, let it be known in her math class that she was getting rusty on something like factoring. Um, right. Uh, and, and it's, you know, because it would seem embarrassing to her. Um, but in right. that instance, a, a tutor like me, someone who knew her strengths and weaknesses and even her hangups and anxieties might've been the only person who could have stepped in and suggested we spend uh, half a session rebuilding her factoring skills without making her feel badly about it. Yeah, yeah, I can totally understand how a tutor can help with stu- with concepts that supposedly a student should know but doesn't really know, and that happens all the time because either because the students missed some classes early on, or um, because they've just forgotten that because they haven't used that topic in a while. Um, what about algebra two or pre-calculus or any other classes where you've had students who might've had learning loss? Yeah. So one of the kind of strange things people don't realize about algebra two and pre-calculus, um, there, there are these other challenges that are, that are always there, which is that those classes are, have less defined curricula. Um, so oftentimes we'll see topics like, um, trigonometric function graphing that it could be found in algebra two class in one school and in a pre-calculus class in the other. And then other topics, maybe um, less common topics like statistical inference, might never come up in some schools, but could be touched on in Algebra two class in another school, and then given a deep dive in a pre-calculus class in a third. Now, a devoted math tutor who understands the core topics, the alternative topics, and the fringe topics that come up in these classes can, can move nimbly from one to the other. I have an Algebra two student right now, Chris. Uh, he lives in a different state and goes to a school that, where I'm not really that familiar with the ordering of the curriculum. The class has been working on uh, exponent rules earlier in the year, and then they shifted to quadratic functions. Now, most classes, you can expect the next move would be to exponential functions or maybe higher-order polynomials if they want to stick their toes in the pre-calculus waters. But uh, a few weeks back at the beginning of our session, Chris said that they had begun talking about creating random integer sets on the calculator and studying statistical distributions. 
Uh, for those who don't know, that's not a topic that students often see at this point in, the, in that class or may never see if they don't take AP stats. Uh, depends a lot on knowing how to find certain functions on a graphing calculator. Um, uh, also, Chris only let me know in the beginning of our session that they made that switch. So I had to, on the fly, figure out how to present and help with this topic that I've considerably less experience with. Now, this is not as much about learning loss as it is about uh, opportunity loss if the student doesn't have somebody guiding them. Um, but I think learning loss goes hand in hand with opportunity loss. And this gave me an opportunity to guide Chris through the exploration of the topic, which is a valuable learning experience. Um, we worked on an online calculator together. And you know, I, I knew a little bit about random integer generators on the calculator, but I wasn't aware until that session that there was a, a specialized version that, that filters out repeats. We discovered this together. And that experience, you know, the fact that I was on the journey with him, that makes what he learned stick. So kind of the, the counter to learning loss, like learn, learning stickiness. Um, <laughs> and then in our future session, yeah. When you're, when you're learning that the excitement yeah. gets through to some extent, and then he uh, and you are, are discovering something together, and that sticks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way I view it is that the, the advantage with one-on-one -on -one tutoring is that we're more like uh, coaches, right, or assistant coaches in a way. We, we have the expertise um, in the organization <laughs> and rules of the game, right, that the students are playing, even if our skills are rusty or, or slightly mismatched. Um, we know how to guide them. Um, but, you know, in these experiences, there are certain anxieties uh, at the center of it, sometimes uh, more social than academic. One thing that, that, that I feel like I need to constantly check in on with students, especially when I first start working with them, is their level of math anxiety. I also wonder how much math anxiety might be uh, elevated during this time of online learning. I know you've worked with a lot of students who experience math anxiety. What, what insights do you have about how that's manifesting during the pandemic? Yeah, um, I have. So for the last um, maybe 15, 20 years, I've been working with students who have anxiety um, about math more than that, actually, since, ever since I've been a teacher. Um, and it's definitely been worse during pandemic because, especially during the first three months in March, April, and May, when teachers didn't know what they were doing, students were just completely lost. <clears throat> I had a student um, that I was tutoring in math uh, late in the summer and we found huge gaps and I I asked her what happened and she said pandemic happened I haven't had any math in six months and I said well you did have math in March April and May and she said no there was no nothing so March April and May were a complete loss for many students and that um, that means that they the the knowledge they were expected to have in say courses like algebra 2 when they were going into pre-calculus or pre-calculus when they were going into calculus was, was just not there. So, so the, the anxiety in this case was perfectly reasonable. Um, and in most cases it is. So we have um, in a, a few resources that we uh, use for students with anxiety. Um, and we're actually doing a separate podcast on that. That's going to be one of our next podcasts. Um, but, and um, my colleagues, Sarah Plunkett and Liz Schultz, are going to talk about that. But uh, I'll mention them briefly, and then I'll talk about how uh, a good teacher or a good tutor can help and how parents can help. 
So um, the resources that I recommend most often are these two apps that we've written about and that uh, we're going to podcast about. Um, they're called Insight Timer and Calm. Uh, they're both meditation apps. They're free apps. Um, Insight Timer is entirely free. Calm has some free features. But they have easy-to-use meditations which students can use on a regular basis. And there's a lot of evidence that shows that meditating regularly, even if it's for five to ten minutes, and it can be a guided meditation, helps a lot with test anxiety and um, so with math anxiety. So uh, meditation can help people feel more calm, can help people feel more organized. And it's important to remember that this is not something where you're asking people to sit silently and not think for five minutes or ten minutes. Uh, what I recommend in almost all cases is a guided meditation where a practitioner goes through a body scan and helps you relax your body progressively, just leads you through perhaps from your head down to your toes. And you can search for body scan on the app Insight Timer uh, and find some really good free body scan meditations. And they're rated, so you can find the ones with the highest rating um, and uh, and just go with that. Um, and and students can bookmark the ones they like best and just uh, keep them on their bookmarks and and then listen to them for five to ten minutes in the morning. And it's helped so many of my students, and my students swear by these meditations. Um, another thing that I really encourage students to do is to get some exercise, Arabic exercise, uh, lifting um, on a on a daily basis. It's again, there, this is research backed. There's a lot of research that shows that Arabic exercise helps with anxiety and with test anxiety and with math anxiety. So if people can run even for 15 or 20 minutes or get some kind of Arabic exercise on a regular basis, it helps um, them feel more balanced when they're working through math. Now, in terms of um, other things, subject-specific things, what I've found to be most helpful is honestly, an organized teacher. And during the early parts of pandemic, March, April, and May, when teachers were struggling to understand online learning, it, it just was very difficult to, to be organized because you just were struggling to understand the platform that you were using. And the, the schools didn't even know the platforms and they were, they were switching platforms. Um, now teachers can be a little bit more organized. And when teachers are organized, Students generally have an easier time. Sometimes, though, especially for students with learning differences, um, online learning is not working because they lose interest, they lose focus, they lose what the teacher is saying, and they don't get very much out of it. And in those situations, especially, a tutor can be very helpful because a one-on-one -on -one tutor can see when a student needs a break, can see when a student needs to pause or needs repetition. Um, and this really helps with student, the student feeling less anxious. And as you and I have talked about, Anthony, one of the best things that a tutor can do is get a lay of the land um, for when, for how a student is feeling. And as we talk about often, you know, we, we try to have students leave every session feeling happier. I say that often. You say, um, 
have every student leave with at least one laugh or two laughs, I think, uh, on, on, on every every session. And what, I just want to sort of touch base on why that's so helpful and what um, parents and students can do. So if you're feeling positive generally and then meditation and and running are going to help you feel more positive and, and just exercise in general, um, you're going to be able to attend better to your math problems because they're localized problems. And so what we as tutors do is we we try to get a lay of the land. We try to have conversations with students about how they're doing before we start tutoring. We try to understand um, how much anxiety a student has so we can we can tailor our sessions accordingly. We can tailor um, our approach ac- accordingly. Um, and Anthony, just to throw this back at you for a minute, do you want to just talk about that the thing about uh, at least was it two laughs or one laugh during every every session? Uh, no, I, I I usually make it my goal to make sure that the student has laughed at, at least once during the session. Two two can be a challenge sometimes, uh, depending on the student. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, and it's 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 funny because I I've, I've said that for a while and I hadn't thought as much about why I, I think I think that's more of a like a personal choice. I like to have a little fun in the sessions as well, but. It's interesting because what you were talking about just now, you know, it's very, it's very intuitive to me that that um, when a student has math anxiety and during the pandemic when maybe they were having all kinds of academic anxiety, that um, helping with organization, for example, one of the things you mentioned, um, would would be a, a key reason to have a tutor. But the, you know, it wasn't intuitive when you were discussing necessarily meditating exercise. Um, but things like meditating, exercise, and humor um, make a lot of sense to me now because we're talking about these things that when you see a student that is anxious about their math class, it does manifest through through body tension, visible, vi- visible body tension, right? You see a clenched jaw or forward shoulders. And the things you're talking about here, meditating, exercise, and even humor, uh, relax the body, right? And, and you know, there's that body-brain connection that that I, I think that the teachers don't necessarily think about and, and, and even tutors don't, uh, even if they're tuned into their students. Yeah, exactly. And I'll, I'll close with a, with an example. I had a, a student a, a while back, um, let's just call him Mikey, um, who, when we would start doing math, he would um, sort of, I, I describe it as rolling into a ball, but he would... Uh, his head would go down in front of him. He would cover his his face with his hand. His his, his palm would come up over his his forehead, so it was covering his eyes. Um, and he would get he would hunch lower and lower on his chair, and he was feeling more and more anxious. And then he would start to make more and more mistakes. And so I noticed this for a couple of sessions, and I would try to gently you know correct his mistakes. But then I realized that. The best thing I could do with him was to meditate for five minutes, and I do that now. So, so what I did with with Mikey was, I would say, "Hey, Mikey, let's stop and meditate for five minutes." And we play a podcast, a guided meditation podcast. And at the end of that five minutes, his his posture would change. He would sit back in his chair. He'd be comfortable. He'd be happier. He'd be visibly more relaxed, and he could pay attention. And it was like magic. And he would simp- he would just suddenly start to do so much better. And this is a 100% true story. And, it's, and since then, I've used this many times in session when I notice that a student is too stressed out to be able to 
pay attention. We'll just sit and meditate for five minutes with a with a guided podcast, um, a body scan that relaxes your body progressively. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. I think we've gone over our planned time limit over here, but I think this is going to be super helpful for many of our our students and parents and and colleagues. Um, thanks for talking to me, and um, I'm looking forward to our next podcast on anxiety and then our podcasts on learning loss in social sciences and sciences and uh, English classes and how we can help uh, students remediate that. But thank you very much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to those podcasts and uh, uh, thanks a lot. This was, this was a blast. Wonderful. Thank you. Mm-hmm.